very expensive Build-A-Bear. She picked it out. I just paid for it. Yeah. Good morning, all. Thank you. Every week that seems to have a slightly more mocking undertone. <laughs> so I was confused by this uh, phenomenon this morning, white stuff falling from the sky. Apparently didn't get the memo that's supposed to happen like in December and January, so if not so much in March. But I remember a few marches ago, a couple of years ago, we had like a couple of feet of snow in March. And we were reminiscing about you know, digging the cars out and Jeremy losing his shoes in the snow, so he was outside barefoot. You know, our fence is kind of tall, so we had these big snow drifts and that were about as tall as he was. It was awesome. So enjoy it while it lasts. It'll be gone by the end of the day. Um, yeah, well, sorry. So Jesus, we thank you for this day and for this gathering, uh, for this place that we could be, you know, to uh, meet uh, with the saints of God and, and, and hear what it is that you have to say. God, uh, this place that we could come and, and bring our offering to you. You know, we, we glorify you today. Now we pray you keep everybody safe on the roads. God, the further south we go, the thicker it's getting. And uh, we pray you keep everyone safe. Now we just pray for your perfect will in this place today. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Yeah. Uh, I, I looked over my shoulder to see that one of my children was asleep already on the way here, and I hit this big pile of slush, and uh, I pulled out of that and went into the pile of slush on the other side of the road. I've still got my coffee, you know. Cynthia's <laughs> like, I'll take that. Indeed. So, <clears throat> I, I read this interesting article. I know you guys think I don't do anything but read the news, but um, uh, I had to do a little research to find out who this guy was. Uh, I was reading about this guy named Tony Perkins, and he's a he's a politician, and uh, he's gotten a lot of heat over the last 10, 15 years because he's Christian and because he's conservative. and part, He's the president of this thing called the Family something or other, something, something about, you know, family, you know, preserving the traditional family unit and because after all that's, that's the basic building block of society and when you lose that, then everything falls apart. And he was talking about how um, in our society, Christianity is being uh, pushed into the corner and, and this, uh, and he said, the, but the thing that I find is that Christianity is going quiet in that it's self-censoring. That it's being quiet, it's quieting itself down because it doesn't want to get called out. It doesn't want the trouble and, and all that. And uh, but to be a Christian by very definition is to identify and be identified with Christ. And he said, "They hated me; they'll hate you." 
And he had this interesting quote. He said, uh, even though the world may claim there's no transcendent truth, we know that there's truth, and we are called to live according to the truth and to do so without apology. I thought, wow, that's good. Great uh, rousing theme here in the in the, the confines of our cozy church walls. It's not so easy when uh, you've got the intelligentsia pulling out their stuff on you and pulling out the stupid card and everything. But, uh, you know, beyond just that, um, there's all kinds of things where we have an adversary that wants to make you afraid. You know, if he can make you afraid of, of even something as simple as ridicule. And so, so God takes people, and I think he puts some of us through experiences as we grow up that ridicule doesn't seem so bad because you've been there before. <laughs> and, uh, um, but, uh, you know, you know, I'm sure I could go around the room, and if you dug around in your psyche, I'm sure you could find something that just makes your palms sweat thinking about it, you know. And the thing is, is we have an adversary that likes to dig around and find that stuff, too, and, and bring it against you. And so the Bible is filled with uh, this encouragement not to be afraid. You know, it's, uh, I think of Paul and how he was praying in this city and and he said, God came to me and said, don't be afraid, Paul. I have many people in the city. So he must have been concerned, dare I say, afraid. Uh, and uh, so, um, you know, it's an interesting thing because, you know, we you go through experiences in life. You know, and when you're growing up, uh, you come to these things that are uncomfortable and uh, make you anxious, nervous, afraid, what have you. And uh, it's great when you're a child because you have you have your parents there to to encourage you, and and they've been through it before. They came through it okay because they're still there, and and uh, and they can encourage you. It's like, hey, this is going to be all right. Done this before. I I was telling the kids, it's like, you know, I never changed schools growing up. Uh, I went to the same school kindergarten through my senior year. Like, you guys are going to change schools. And so I can't really identify with that, but your mom can, because she's changed schools about a zillion times growing up. So, so she'd be, uh, you know, if you're nervous about going to a new school, then she'd be a great, great place to talk about that. And uh, so, you know, uh, God is really great about uh, about that encouragement. You know, we. Uh, you know, he's, he's not one of those football coaches that gets down in your face and screams at you to get your stuff together. You know, he's more like, you can do this. This is going to be okay. You can get through this. This is going to work for you. Uh, and so uh, it's interesting because in that article, this guy was talking about how he was doing a Bible study just on his own. You know, he's a politician. He's not like a, a preacher or anything. And And he was studying all these places where the Bible talks about not being afraid. Fear not. And all this kind of stuff. And uh, he started seeing how every time God would talk about not being afraid, it was either because God was talking about, you know, this circumstance is going on, but you don't need to be afraid of it. Or you're getting ready to do something really cool. Or I'm getting ready to do something really cool, and you need not be afraid. And uh, and so he actually wrote a book about it and everything. I'm rather curious, but... Uh, Go with me to Hebrews 13. 
If you have not gone to YouTube and looked up the Sensational Nightingale singing uh, Every Promise in the Book is Mine, you owe it to yourself to do that because it's amazing. And uh, uh, the Sensational Nightingale. Yep, that's, uh, that's, where, uh, that's where Ron found that song. I think it's one of those like music streaming services. Uh, they were listening to some Christian music and started playing it. And I, I got a hold of the CD. Somebody uh, went out and bought it after he talked about it. And, and uh, we started singing that song around here. And uh, um, I started just, you know, passing it out willy-nilly to people. It's, great. it's a great album, really. But uh, um, this scripture I'm getting ready to read, I always think about this every time we sing that song. And, and in, this, in this video, they're performing the song at a church, and the guy is is vamping all these promises over it because, you know, there's this part of the song we don't sing here at church where the choir is like, yes, it's mine, over and over again, you know. And he just, I mean, he just starts going through all these scriptures, just quoting them off the top of his head, all these things that uh, are promises from the Word of God. And there's one part where he's like, uh, he's like, did you ever read where he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you? That's my favorite part, you know. And so I always think about that when we sing the song. That's where I want to read in Hebrews 13, and we'll start in verse 5. It says, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. <coughs> so, you know, I looked that up, and uh, uh, that's actually the only place that literally says it that way, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. It's not a direct quote from the Old Testament anywhere, uh, or, or necessarily from the Gospels that I could find. But... Uh, there's all kinds of places where he talks about, I won't leave you, or I won't fail you, I won't uh, forsake you. And so I want to just kind of quickly go through a few of those. You don't have to follow me around if you don't want to, but uh, in Genesis 28, I had a lot of fun putting this study together. Like that time that Mike asked if it was going to be a precious, precious service or a precious beating service. The, uh, the precious, precious services are really fun. I, I enjoy putting those together. You know, no, nobody likes to come in and preach this message of. <clears throat> <clears throat> so there's this thing, you know. So, like, you know, I, I'm sure Ron hates coming in here Sunday after Sunday, like he's been doing recently. Like, <clears throat> so we need to talk. So it's nice when you can just come in and just be like, comfort, blessing. It's a lot more fun that way. It's no wonder that a lot of the church has just decided, oh, I'm just going to do that. I like that better. And uh, in Genesis 28:15, and he's talking to Jacob here. He's at Bethel. And he's, he's fleeing from Esau because, after all, he has gotten himself in quite a fix uh, at his mother's uh, instructions. Even even a good mother could steer you wrong once in a while, I suppose. But uh, you know, God had all these things laid out, and you know, I always take great comfort when when things just sort of go sideways in my life. I just I always think, you know, God, this is no surprise to you. I'm surprised. Uh, I was not looking for this to happen, but you you knew this was coming, and I uh, and so I'm. I'm satisfied that you knew it was coming and this is going to work out right. 
But uh, in uh, 28, 15, he says, Behold, I'm with thee, and I will keep thee in all places whither thou goest, and I will bring thee again to this land. I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. So here he is fleeing from his homicidal brother, going to his really crooked uncle. So they were kind of like two peas in a pod working together. And uh, God's just telling you, hey, he tells Jacob, you know what, you don't, you don't need to be afraid. I'm not going to leave you. This stuff is all going to work out. It's great. It's all going to come up roses. In uh, Deuteronomy 31. Here we are at the end of, of Moses' ministry. And uh, here they are. You know, we, we just talked a few weeks ago about him pleading with the children of Israel to choose life and to, to obey the word of God. And so after, after having done that, he's, uh, he's, in, uh, he's encouraging Joshua and uh, talking to him in front of everybody. And I'll just start at verse 1. Moses went and spake these words to all Israel, and he said to them, I am 120 years old this day, and I can no more go out and come in. And also the Lord has said to me that you should not go over this Jordan. The Lord thy God, he will go over before thee, and he will destroy these nations from before thee, and thou shalt possess them. And Joshua, he shall go over before thee, as the Lord has said. Joshua, or, and the Lord shall do to them as he did to Sihon and to Og, kings of the Amorites, and the land whom he destroyed. And the Lord shall give them up before your face that you may do unto them according to all the commandments which I have commanded you. Be strong, be of good courage, fear not, nor be afraid of them. For the Lord thy God, he it is that doth go with thee, for he will not fail thee nor forsake thee. So here they are. These, you know, they're here. This is the generation that was, they were the children when they came to the promised land the first time around. These are the children that Israel was just sure would be destroyed. And so here they are, they've grown up in the wilderness, this new man, and they're going to go in and they're going to take the land, and God's telling them, you don't need to be afraid about this, this is going to work out just fine. And Moses called to Joshua, and he said unto him in the sight of all of Israel, be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, and he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Fear not, neither be dismayed. I'm sure, having been around all this time, Joshua, Moses' minister, probably rather dismayed at, so now these people are my problem? (laughs) Seriously? Okay. Um, And so, you know, but for God's sake, or Moses tells him, you know, because... We get encouragement directly from, from God, but we also get encouragement from one another. And that comes from God, too, because God lives in you, God lives in me. And so it's just all this big round-robin, happy family type of deal. But that's what God intended for us to do, is because we're all, we're all in this together. We're all uh, uh, pulling towards the same goal. And sometimes we get nervous, we get anxious. And, and it's nice to have somebody around you that's not anxious, or or at least that uh, they don't appear to be anxious. <laughs> so, you know, I I was talking to my my boys about the the difference between 
um, uh, you know, about how being courageous, being brave, doesn't necessarily mean that you're not afraid. It's it's how you deal with, with being afraid that determines whether or not you're you're brave. Because a brave person uh, puts aside the fear and just does what has to be done. And uh, you know, I've 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 certainly done things in life where I. Uh, didn't feel like things were going well, and I felt most uncomfortable and and very anxious or afraid that this is not going to work. Uh, but um, you know, the things work out, and sometimes you know you just kind of have to do it. God knows how to put you in a place where you just have to do something, whether you would like to do it, want to do it. That doesn't make any difference. It's like right. like having a baby. You know, I have not had a baby. I was there. When mine were born, wringing my hands in guilt and angst, and uh, <laughs> but um, you know when you come to that moment, and uh, uh, when you know it's like you know your wife wakes you up in the middle of the night, tells you that her water is broken. There's no turning back. You can't be like, I don't want to do this anymore. Guys, <laughs> okay, so I want to quit now. It doesn't work that way. There's no, there's no stopping. And uh, you know, God is very wise how He does that because, like, you know, that seems like a thing to make you somewhat uncomfortable and anxious. Uh, but God knows how to bring you through it. And then when it's over, it's like, yeah, that wasn't so bad. I could, I'd do that again. <laughs> Maybe not right away, but again. And uh, so. Uh, and that's the thing that God intends to have happen out of those difficult things that we go through is to, to bring forth something of value that that, that where there's, there's life in you and uh, and you bear that fruit. And so that's what he intends. And, uh, you know, all along, you know, when Levi had that really bad fever and I was uh, thinking about, you know, well, it's like the middle of the night. You know, it's always the middle of the night, right? You know, nobody ever has like this really like kind of scary illness thing going on in the middle of the day, or at least at least it doesn't come on right then. You know, your your kid always comes in your room vomiting and and red and steaming at five or three in the morning. But you know, I was I was anxious about it, but I I just I thought back. I was like, well, God didn't tell me something like this was going to happen, and and God's not just going to out of the blue let some terrible calamity happen to to my family. With, without warning me, and and even if he did, then obviously there would be some sort of reason for it that 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 he would have that would work out okay. And so I was still anxious about it. You know, Ron made it sound like I was this like brave genius, but it was more of a kind of okay. Well, you know, I just sort of went down through there and looked at all the. And all the stuff, and, and I was like, well, this is what I know about God, and this is how I know God does things, and so uh, I'm just going to go with that. And uh, um, so go with me to First Chronicles 28. So we have these things where God's getting ready to do something. You, to his people or through his people, and he's encouraging them that this you don't need to be afraid. 
And and how many of you know that's exactly where the church is coming to? Like I'm getting ready to do something really great. Maybe may not seem so great to your flesh, but this is this is coming. There's no backing out of it. And uh, but you don't need to be afraid of it. And David, so so David has stockpiled all this stuff uh, to build the temple, and uh, he has. Uh, um, made Solomon his, uh, you know, prince regent, I guess, if you will, his, his acting king. I mean, David's still alive, but he's put Solomon on the throne, and David's encouraging him. And David said to Solomon, his son, verse twenty, sorry, be strong and of good courage, and do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. So he says, I can tell you this works because he is my God. And he has never let me down. And if he ain't never let me down, he ain't never going to let you down. I love the gospel because you can use all kinds of improper grammar. It's great. Ain't never. And you can say or. Not over. Or. Anyway. So be strong and of good courage. and Do it. Fear not, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God, even my God, will be with thee. He will not fail thee, nor forsake thee, until you have finished all the work for the service of the house of the Lord. You know, and it's interesting because when you look at that, really, he really didn't encounter any uh, opposition to that work. It just sort of, oh, because this, because David had already laid everything up for his son. The father had already laid up all this stuff and he and he he got everything ready. He's like, here, do it and it's gonna work great. And the you know, we all know that the the stones were quarried in other places and chipped and chiseled like some of you guys' abs, I'm sure. And they put them all together at the mount, nice and quiet. You know, it just they brought all the stuff there. They put it together, and uh, and there it was. And and uh, so not everything about what God does is full of grunting and straining and effort. A lot of it is there's lots of things that He just He makes it happen. You know, it's like here, watch this. Check this out. Now don't be afraid. It's gonna be okay. But check this out. And and He just and He does these amazing things that only He could do. So, um, you know, with God on our side, we all know the, you know, if God be for us, who could be against us? And uh, um, I'm not going to turn there, but I had to write this down because I wanted to quote it right. In Psalm 56, 9, he says, When I cry unto thee, mine enemies shall turn back. This I know, for God is for me. So, so David had this assurance that, you know, they, they're, they're, they're coming. They're going to come against me. All that that stuff, life is going to happen to you. But he says that when when I cry unto thee, and my enemies shall fall back, this I know, for God is for me. So, so think about that. He's for you. He's not just for me. He's not just for the guy sitting next to you. Not just for anybody else. He's for you. Uh, go back with me over again to Hebrews 13. 
I'll just read verse 5 again. Let, not your, let your conversation be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And there's more. There, there's plenty more. It's a great study to go through these, these places throughout the word where he, or he says something to that effect of, I won't leave you, I won't fail you, I won't forsake you, I'm going to be with you. Uh, you know, it's like I once was old or young and now I'm old, yet never have I seen the righteous forsaken or received begging bread. I mean, it's just, it's all over the place of how you don't need to be afraid. I'm going to take care of this. In verse 6, he says, So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. So the Lord is my helper. So that's good news. And uh, and I like how he says that we can boldly say that. You know, I, I remember one time Mike and I were driving around doing something. We are supposed to be working, but we were just driving around. And uh, uh, he asked me some question. I don't recall exactly what it was. Something about, something very, you know, where the, the correct answer was quite obvious. Something about, like, you know, do you believe that God's going to get you all the way to the end or something like that? And at the time, I was really struggling with a lot of uh, really stupid condemnation that made no sense and all this kind of vague sense of God would like to squish me like a bug that it's it's stupid when you say it out loud, but it feels so real when it's in your head and you've got this adversary picking at you about it. And so I said, well, the correct answer is yes. He is going to get me all the way to the end. <laughs> and he kind of laughed because it's like, okay, so you don't want to say that he, he will, but you know that's the right answer. And so that's what God trains us with, though. So he, he, he put me through all this stuff where... I had to do, I had to make up my mind that okay forget the correct answer is yes yes God's going to get me through to the end and uh, there's no there's no ifs ands or buts about it that's what is that's what's going to happen because that's who God is and if that's what His Word says then I'm I, I'm standing on that uh, I read this thing about this guy and he. That he was talking about how people are becoming increasingly impatient and mystified at Christians' like visceral resistance to, to homosexuals and, and gay marriage and all that stuff. And uh, and he's like, and I finally I realized it's because they take the Bible as their first and final authority, and it says that it's bad. I was like, yes, see. Like, now you're getting it. That's what being a Christian is all about. It's like, this is my book. This is what this book says goes. I don't care what anybody else has to say. And this guy, who of course pulls out the I'm a Christian too thing, says that, that, it's, uh, that it's an ancient text filled with ancient assumptions uh, about that came from the culture that it was from, and, and it's... Basically, without saying it, it was like it's not it's not really valid now. You know, these things are not because I can pick and choose through it whatever suits me. And I just I was reading this article and I just wanted to break something and, and I just thought, man. But at the same time, I thought this guy actually kind of got something right. He's like, yes, this is my first and only and final authority. This is, yeah, you know, I mean, you. Oh man. 
I'm probably going to have to quit reading these articles or start taking blood pressure medicine, one or the other. You know, but, but my point is, is that if that's what the Word of God says, then that is what I'm operating with. That's what I'm standing on. That's what I'm going by, regardless of what anything else looks like, no matter what anybody else says. This... This, this is what's real. Everything else is is just ashes and dust and smoke and mirrors. So, so he says that. So we may boldly say, "The Lord is my helper; I will not fear what man shall do to me." You know, and that was one of those things that I had to come to as I went through those those turmoil, doubting, God hates me kind of places. Was would I? Can I boldly say that God is my helper, or is it well, I? hope he would bail me out of this. I, I don't know if he likes me enough to do that. You know, I, I had to come to this place where it's like, no, he, he's going to help me. You know, and it, and it wasn't an overnight thing. It was a gradual thing. It was like, I could say God likes me. I could say God is my helper. I could boldly say that God is my helper. And I won't fear what man can do to me. I'm not going to fear what the adversary has to say. It doesn't matter. So go with me to Matthew 10. And you don't have to stick your thumb there. We're not coming back. Unless you just want to read it again. It's a great read. So Matthew 10. So he's he's got his, his 12 apostles. He's got all these disciples. You know, The Bible doesn't really specify a number. Because at one point in John he tells you that 70 of them left him all at once. But these these apostles were these these men that he chose that they they really stayed close to him and uh, and it's encouraging to see even the things that they didn't get it because it's like hey I'm like these guys yes you know and and so you know because you, you hear about people talking they like to cherry pick well this is for today this isn't for today and 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 I think that all just comes down to how much do you believe what God says is really for you but and so this is for us today this is just as valid for you and me as it was when Jesus spoke it to his apostles but he chose them the twelve of them and uh, and and he he, he sends them out. He's like, you know, I'm going to go all through Israel. I'm going to be preaching. And, and uh, you guys are going to go before me. You guys are going to kind of till the ground, as it were. And uh, he gave them power over unclean spirits, all this stuff. And, uh, and he says in verse 16, Behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpent and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils. They'll scourge you in their synagogues. You should be brought before governors and kings for my sake, for a testimony against them and the Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it should be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. So it's like uh, it's like Paul talking to the uh, the uh, uppermost echelons of the Roman government. It's like God intended for him to be there. It didn't. It, Nobody would want to go that route. Well, I was in prison and took this perilous journey to the the seat of the government to be, uh, you know, to this tribunal. But uh, as Martin Luther said, Satan invited him to preach in hell, and so here he is. 
preaching to these these governors and, and everything, and he appeals to Caesar. And of course, the Bible doesn't ever tell you how that went, but um, so. But he says, "You don't need to worry about what what am I going to say when I get there." And uh, so, if somebody invites you to preach at the last minute, don't worry about what you're going to say before you get there. It'll just come to you. But uh, but no, he he says, you know. Um, if if you end up in that place, I intended for you to end up in that place. I knew you'd end up in that place, and uh, now that you're there, I have something to say. And so all you have to do is stand there and let me say it. So he says, when they shall deliver you up, take no thought how or what you shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. For it is not you that speaks, but the spirit of your father which speaks in you. The brother shall deliver up the brother to death, and the father the child. And the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. And you shall be hated of all men for my name's sake. But he that endures to the end shall be saved. And when they persecute you in this city, flee into another. Verily I say unto you, you shall not have gone over the cities of Israel till the Son of Man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It's enough that the disciple be as his master, and the servant be as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, then how much more shall they call them of his own household? So, uh, you know, I like how he talks about endurance, enduring to the end, uh, because uh, sometimes when you go through uh, a fearful or upsetting circumstance, what else can you really do but endure it? You know, I mean, we've all been through those things where, you know, something needs to change. Or you need to do X, Y, and Z and fix this thing. But sometimes there are things that you simply have to endure. When I had pneumonia, the when I got over the like the, the fever and all that stuff, the medicine that I was on made me want to die. It was terrible. And I called the the doctor. I called the pharmacy. They're like, Hey, you got three days left. This is the best thing for what you got. You really should finish it. So I had to endure all the stuff that the medicines made me. It made me depressed and anxious, and I couldn't sleep. So I, so you know, it's like you don't want to miss any of it, and and I couldn't hard, <laughs> and I couldn't hardly eat. And, but you know, so I had to just endure it. And and so we all go through those things in life where you know that this this thing that you're dealing with is not going to go on forever. And and I know that God's got me. In the palm of his hand. So I have merely to endure this thing. Uh, but he says that if they've called the master of the house, Beelzebub, then how much more are they going to call them of his household? And that, that's what I started out talking about. It's like the world hates Christ and Christianity. And, you know, God forbid you actually say Jesus in front of anyone. And uh, it's like, so how much more then? He says, you know, they're. They hated me. They're gonna. They're gonna hate you too. It says, "Fear them not." Therefore, there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. What I tell you in darkness, that speak ye in the light. What you hear in the ear, that preach upon the housetops. So he gives them this uh, rather antsy-producing commission, and he tells them, "Don't be afraid. We're gonna be okay." Uh, there's this there's this great song you may have heard it where this guy is 
he's kind of just wrestling with himself about why would I not tell this guy about the Lord when I know that he needs it and this, I may never see him again. And, and he says, what am I so afraid of? And, and I always thought, wow, yeah. You know, and, and obviously you want to have judgment and wisdom about those things because you don't want to cast your pearls before swine. But, um, but I thought about that. It's like, well, what, what am I so afraid of? They, they might reject me. They might turn me away. They might laugh at me or think I'm a doofus or what, you know. And it's funny how that how that happens. But but Jesus says, you know, the things that I've told you in secret in your prayer closet, those are the things that that you can preach on the housetops. So, uh, and and that's what that guy was saying in that quote. He said that he's we know that there is a transcendent truth that is far above all the the humanism and, and all the stuff that we that we hear touted today as gospel. And and he said that we're called to live according to that truth and to do so without apology. And so uh, as we come into that place, of course, we're going to uh, heap trouble upon ourselves. But uh, but that's okay. We don't need to be afraid because God's watching out for us. It says, fear not them which are able to kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. So our 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 fear and, and reverence of God then should be more than than the other fear. And and so uh you know, it's like we've all heard that or thought that's like, well, I am kind of afraid to do this, but I'm also kind of afraid not to. And and so, you know, that's the kind of thing that he's talking about here. Is not that God's out to get you or that he's standing over you with his arms crossed tapping his feet, but he's saying, you know, you want to fear God and have a reverence for Him that uh, that uh, transcends the, uh, the the fear of man, because you're going to feel that it's 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 just going to happen. But uh, but when you fear God more, it's it's like loving God more than you love you when when you because when you have that kind of of love and reverence for Him, so say it that way. Then uh, uh, you think you know what I I wouldn't want to disappoint him and and and, uh, and and give up now when he could do this great thing because he just needs me to stand here. So he says, "Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them should not fall on the ground without your father?" So he knows he knows even even the birds. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So when you brushed your hair this morning, then all of his little tallies changed all throughout the church. And, uh, hopefully not too many, except Bob. Well, see, Bob's easy. Zero. The very hairs of your mustache are numbered. <laughs> Fear ye not, therefore, for you are of more value than many sparrows. So, you know, so if God cares about, He cares about the birds. You know, we all know Matthew six. He cares about the birds. He cares about the flowers. He made all this stuff, and uh, uh, and yet He says, "You are more value than many sparrows." And and so uh, He takes that kind of thought and that kind of care for you. And so that I think is the greatest assurance of why we need not be afraid of what man can do to me. 
because he's, he's, he promised that he would always be with you, that he would never leave you, never forsake you, and that he, he values you. In fact, I mean, really this doesn't even touch on how much he actually values you because he valued you enough to die in your place. And so um, one other place I wanted to go, Psalm 27. One of my favorites. In fact, uh, in that, uh, that video of the Sensational Nightingales, he's got this choir behind him saying, Yes, it's mine. I know that it's mine. And he just starts just starts in, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom shall I be afraid? And I'm just going to read the whole thing because it's awesome. When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. So they were coming. I, I had all this trouble coming against me, and they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the delight of the Lord, and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion, and in the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me, and he shall set me upon a rock. Now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Actually, the margin says of shouting. And I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O Lord, when I cry with my voice. Have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face. My heart said unto thee, thy face, the Lord, will I seek. And he told Jeremiah, he said, you shall, you shall seek me and you shall find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And I will be found of you. Hide not thy face far from me. Put not thy servant away in anger, for you have been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God, of my salvation. And what is it that he said? I will never leave you nor forsake you. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. When all my, all my friends are gone, there he is. Teach me thy way, O Lord. Lead me in a plain path because of mine enemies. Deliver me not over to the will of my enemies, for false witnesses are risen up against me, and such as breathe out cruelty. I had fainted, unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thy heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And so that's the secret then, isn't it? Yeah. That would be the secret of fear not. Because I could tell you fear not until I'm blue in the face. But but what... Uh, that where that assurance really comes from is waiting on God. So they that wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings as eagles. You could all finish it. You're all thinking it in your head and even now. And yet, uh, that so that's the thing. Waiting on God is that, that secret place. That's what he talks about here. He's, he talks about waiting on God, but he said that in the time of trouble, I was hidden in his pavilion in the secret of his tabernacle. And he set me on a rock. So, no matter what we have going on, no matter where we are, we have a hiding place. Just like, you know, Corey Tin Boom took her hiding place with her uh, to, the, to the camp. And, uh, and so, um, you know, that's part of why we need not fear what flesh could do to us, because no one can take away your hiding place. Nobody can take away that place that we have sheltered uh, under the wing of the Almighty God. So, Jesus, we just praise you. We glorify you. And I just pray that you would draw us into that place, God, where where we have that assurance, just like you talked about last week, coming out of the prayer closet with the lows, 
because we have that assurance that that you have heard our prayer. God, that we have touched you and and gained your ear. And God, I just pray that uh, uh, you would bind the flesh and the carnal mind. Loose your spirit, God. And cause this word to grow up inside of us, God. That that assurance would come on your people. God, that, that comfort of, of your word that, that you love us and that you're looking out for us and that, that you're not going to let anything bad happen to us. God, but that we would have that heart like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego where even if, even if you did let us die in the fire, you still would not bow to man. God, we just pray in your holy name. God, that that kind of love and fear and reverence would, would come upon every heart in this place. 